0: Hello and welcome back to Surf Splendor. I am your host, David Scales, bringing you an episode of Surf News this week. Last week, we brought you an interview with uh, kind of big wave charger, Santa Cruz icon, Richard Schmidt, and we do profile pieces every other week. And then in the opposite weeks, we do Surf News with our co host, Scott Bass. So, Last week's episode with Richard Schmidt, this week with Scott Bass. Next week, I've got an interview with Malcolm Campbell of um, the Bonzer fame. Malcolm and his brother Duncan invented the Bonzer surfboard design. And so Malcolm and I sat at his home in Oxnard and uh, broke down the entire design, the evolution, and everything that came over the last almost 45 years, actually, since they introduced that design. So look forward to that conversation. And uh, and enjoy today's show. If you'd like to participate in this conversation that Scott and I are having, you can do it on social media or on our website, surfsplendorpodcast.com. There's a comment section for every episode. We'll look forward to hearing your comments there. All right? Enjoy today's show. I'll be back at the end to sign us
1: off. Thanks. are we hot? We're hot. Yeah, guy. Welcome, everybody. Down the line, Surf Talk Radio. Scott Bass, David Scales with you on this April 28th, 2015. We're broadcasting live from the curator's office at the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center uh, in San Clemente, uh, affectionately known as Shack. David, welcome to the show. Thank you, Scott. Glad to be here. Um,
0: serving heritage and culture center did a pretty interesting exhibit on Saturday. Were you able to attend? No, I wasn't able.
1: I wasn't either. I'm surprised you weren't there. This is right up your alley. It's
0: not only is it right up my alley, but, um, I really wanted to participate and I wanted to kind of build a podcast around it, but I just had a conflicting social engagement. What did you,
1: what was more important than,
0: than women's surfing? Let's get right to it. What was the exhibit this past week?
1: You tell me, you're the one that's all...
0: It was honoring pioneer and pioneers right. in women's in women's surfing. But it's
1: still here. This exhibit runs for, I think, six weeks. Yeah, that was so like the can... opening
0: exhibit right. or opening kind of party to celebrate the, the exhibit was on Saturday. Right.
1: So who were, do you know who some of the ladies yeah, in the well, were? Yeah, um, well, you know, there was Linda Benson and uh, Jericho Poplar and um, Debbie Beecham and Cher Pendarvis and I'm sure... Um, I think, uh, I want to say Joyce Hoffman was there from yeah. the famous Hoffman clan. Uh, I think she's sister to Walter and Flippy or something. I probably have the relationship wrong, but she's one of the Hoffmans. Sure. So it was like, a, um, basically
0: open discussion talking about the pioneering of women surfing. Yeah. It was opening up stride. the exhibit. Right.
1: Yeah. And so it was just, it was like an opening night celebration. I'm sure there was some great side banter mm-hmm. going on. I don't know if there was actually, uh. A presentation of the women. I bet there probably was. You know, I'm sure they did something, you know, where they yeah. talked a little bit. And, yeah. Then they just mingled and had wine and chatted. And I'm sure it was really cool. Yeah. Super cool. So bravo
0: to Shaq, dude. Always yeah. bringing it. Surfingheritage.org.
1: That's right. Now, we're um, I'm producing a big auction for Shaq this September, a vintage surf auction. It'll be our second one. California Gold Vintage Surf Auction. It's going to be taking place in Los Angeles. We're excited about that. And uh, we're already collecting some great stuff. We've got a really super tight original Jerry Lopez lightning bolt, one that we have pictures of Jerry riding in the tube at Pipe, that particular board. Jerry's authenticated it. We've got some incredible wooden boards, you know, some Pacific Systems homes. I got an email yesterday about a, a swastika board, which is one of the most collectible Pacific System homes boards.
0: What's the story behind that?
1: Um, the swastika brand or, or label. Well, it was pre, you know, it was in the thirties. It was pre Hitler, pre Nazi Germany. Um, and the swastika brand was just, um, I don't know. I guess that, that symbol, that figure, that icon, the swastika was, um, I guess I don't know the story behind it completely. I just know that it's collectible in part because of what happened in the late thirties and forties in Germany. And so, you know, because that, that icon has sort of been um, chastised, or what would be the word? You know, like looked, Denigrated, looked, for sure. Looked upon yeah. negatively, right? Um, that Pacific Systems Homes Board has been highly collectible because of that.
0: Well, I just remember learning. I know a listener, many listeners probably have much more education about this than I do, but I remember learning in history class at some point along the way that it's like that symbol comes from... Like, like Egypt or something. Egypt or yeah, the Middle really East old, or something yeah. ancient, you know, yeah. that um, Hitler obviously started using. And, and now that's all that
1: it's seen It's as. amazing, isn't it? Because when you see that, right, you just go, ugh. Oh, but there's probably, it was probably a cool symbol before some idiot got a hold of it. It's like ISIS. It's like, that was a cool name for a yeah. superhero. Yeah. And now, you know, ISIS, you, you know. Well, for the, not only, it's for the
0: vast majority of history, it had a decent connotation associated with it. It's only been the last 50 years that it's been ruined. You know? Right.
1: And ISIS yeah. was taken off of the hurricane list as a name for a hurricane.
0: I just oh, saw that. Yeah. I
1: saw that in the news a couple days ago. I heard ISIS has a Twitter account. I oh, did. They're, they're all over. It's so gnarly. I don't get it. Like it kind of bums me. I was talking to my wife about it. Like I would suggest to you that of the world's population, nine out of 10 of us are against isis yet somehow it exists like I how know. come the nine of us haven't turned against the one and and i know it's much more complicated than that but well just like we should be commentating surf
0: contests and running big <laughs> brands we should also be uh implementing foreign policy for the
1: u.s government and or at least uh, baltimore how about that lady that sw- grabbed her kid from the riots I love it. and smacked him down that lady is uh, I think she's my, my Duke Kahanamoku. Is she? Yeah, she's my Duke. For listeners who
0: haven't seen it, there's protesters out in the street. This guy's covered. His whole face is covered, but somehow He's his like mom— He's like 14
1: years old. Yeah,
0: but somehow his mom identified him in all black, fully covered, except for his eyes. He looks like an
1: ISIS member. And kinda. just starts
0: beating the crap out of her kid in the middle just of the protest. chasing
1: him down the street. He's just running with his tail between his legs. And she's smacking him in the face, just yeah. screaming at him. And it's all been caught by CNN. Yeah. It's awesome. It's the most epic footage. It's it really good.
0: Yeah. Bravo to that mom. That's Shout both out. my
1: mussy moment and my <laughs> Duke Hanabunker. Let's talk Margaret River real well, quick.
0: Yeah. I got follow-up stuff. From okay, previous. go ahead. Before we get into that stuff. Um, uh, Dean Weir. From the Sunshine Coast, Australia, emailed me and said, I was watching some old Jack McCoy DVDs and thinking back to Scott's idea of a world tour where only a select few surfers were taken to the best venues in the world. I dug out the Billabong Challenge movies from the 90s. They would take the best contest surfers like Slater, Aki, Machado, Dorian. Sonny. And the best free surfers at the time, Margo, uh, Johnny Boy Gomes, Current, and have them serve epic venues like J-Bay. And because there was only a few contestants, they ran the event on the best day possible of the waiting period. There wasn't a massive intrusive contest site, and it would essentially run in a secret location, quote unquote. There was plenty of great footage from the lay days, and then McCoy would package it into one DVD, and that was the return on his investment. Yeah. Very similar to the idea you were talking about.
1: Yeah, and Rabbit Bartholomew was involved in that too. And so that kind of transfer, when Rabbit took over the ASP, that whole Dream Tour thing was really just, you know, a model that had been in place by McCoy and Rabbit earlier on. So, yeah.
0: It's similar to your idea. Yeah. And I feel like there is a modern version of that idea that is ripe for the picking. I, I feel like Red Bull or somebody would be perfect to just swoop in because they already do the flu tog and these different, you know, marketing extravaganzas this fits perfectly with what they do and i would love this yeah i mean that
1: anything like that obviously wouldn't happen unless the wsl just implodes right because i mean or the wsl sanctions it lets the surfers surf in this but that 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 makes their product sort of watered down true
0: that relates to another topic coming up in today's show. I've got that. That lead actually touches lead, on quite a
1: few things. Lead that us I've off got here. Lead us off. With well, more. Margaret River, you know, um, I guess my first thing is why wasn't there was so much footage of Jack Robinson absolutely shredding and getting piped at the box and all over that? Why wasn't Jack Robinson given the nod over? Um, was it Alejo Muniz? Because Jay I know Davey's, why, but
0: Jay Davies beat him in the trials event.
1: But my point is, is, is that is that there was, obviously, they didn't think it through. Like, Jack Robinson, to me, it's just, it's obvious you have, Jack Robinson should be this hot, young, up-and-comer kid that you're going to, like, lift up now and continue to lift up and let's watch him grow into this guy. It seems to me he would have been a great pick. And then the winner of the trials is Jay Davies. Okay, Jay Davies. whoever wins the trials, Jay Davies and Jack Robinson as your two trialists, after you're seeing all this footage of him just absolutely killing it yeah the free surf before the heat start jack robinson's winning the whole thing
0: yeah he is yeah and it's kind of
1: like why isn't that kid in our contest that's my point like what did we do wrong to not have this kid in our contest now i'm not saying what they did was i think you know obviously it makes sense how are you going to explain alejo muniz that he's not in it blah 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 you know but at some point you got to look at your product and go you know what i don't give a crap that kid right there the local hero that's 14 years old who's Blowing doors on all of our pros should be in this contest.
0: Yeah. So they did a trials event. Jack Robinson got second place. So if they did the top two surfers from the trials event, he would have made it in with Jay Davies. Um, but I think their strategy was like, look, let's give one spot to one of the contest Makes guys, sense. Not, which is Alejo. It does make but sense. But I will, to your point. After all that footage came out, you're I like, holy shit. that guy! And what, what did Alejo Muniz do? Nothing. Thank you. So to your point. Let's take a moment to honor Jack Robinson as a 14-year-old surfer, dude. He is unbelievable. And he has been for a long time. And you were hyping North Point before we recorded our last show. North Point went off. Like, it was off the Richter scale. Like, it was insane. As good as it gets. As good as it gets. I would have loved to have seen the contest there. And the best surfers out at North Point, John John Florence, uh, Jay Davies and Jack Robo.
1: I have that down right here. If you don't, I, I, I have Jack and Jay and JJ Flow. Wouldn't that be an incredible... Um event unto itself just get those three guys at the box you know which we had in the free well, surf
0: north point it's not as, as slabby as the box but it's, it's a, like a longer it's a better, yeah it's like a longer running a just as perfect. barreling more perfect version of the box yeah like steep sections a couple of steps occasionally yeah it looks insane yeah so um guys they'd wrap up the contest or they'd finish their heat for the day and then go surf north point and at the end of the night you'd see footage of north point get released That was far better than anything in the contest. And the contest was phenomenal. You know, it was like, I wish they were running at North Point.
1: You know, before the event, before the Australian leg, you know, we all sort of raised our eyebrows. We're like, okay, cool. Snapper rocks. Okay. Bells, whatever. You got to do it. Historic. And then you go Margaret River. Eh, all right, I guess it's on the tour. I guess it's on the you know schedule. Yeah. And now, as we look back on it, that was obviously the best event with the huge swell and perfect conditions and the box and all the stuff we saw. And the local guy Jay Davies having a great run. Um, That's, but it,
0: that almost felt like a pat on the back. I know. I know. I, I,
1: I guess I owe an apology to you and to the listeners because Jay Davies certainly lived up to all the hype that you gave him. And um, but my point is. Next year, we will still have the same raised eyebrows about Margaret River. It can
0: never live up to this again. Yeah, it It will not I mean, yeah,
1: it'll be impossible.
0: Um, I think Ronnie Blakey said, Felipe Toledo saved the snapper event. You know, it was a super dismal event. Even the top guys looked like they didn't care. Kelly Slater being one of them. The current world champ got dethroned in round three. The swell forecast sucked. So, Snapper was just like a write-off, essentially. But Felipe Toledo is what will be remembered. Forevermore, like, the people will forget about that crappy forecast. Felipe saved the event, which I think is a great point. Bells, I think that'll go overlooked for the most part. But the swell saved Margaret. So, the Australian leg was looking pretty dismal. And there's these two shining lights from it, Felipe and the swell at, at Margaret, that... Really saved the WSL, I think, some headaches. So
1: as a fan of the three events, the WSL, as a fan, um, how would you rate the Australian leg of the tour?
0: Now in hindsight, You know, like an a, back,
1: a, like a grade, like 1 through 10. Or... Yeah,
0: I'd go B minus. Uh-huh. Living through it, I was thinking probably like a C or a D. But in hindsight, I feel like B minus. I got some super entertaining, um, I don't know entertainment hours out of
1: it yeah i i would agree b minus and mostly based on mother nature i don't think it was anything the wsl did um wrong you know mm-hmm. it's just the, that's that's the nature of the beast so to speak no mm-hmm. pun intended is that look if it's crappy waves at bells and no swell at snapper uh, luckily they got saved at margaret like if margaret would have been just like you know two to f- six feet or whatever and just kind of half ass you know, it would have been unfortunate. We'd be looking at a C minus probably just from an entertainment standpoint, you know, but there was so much really good free footage from the Margaret event that it just made, it just felt like the Margaret event was on every day, even if it wasn't on every day, you know, like you were looking for the free footage and
0: well, I said this last year when we talked about Margaret river, they do such a good job showcasing the region. They do these Margaret moments commercials that showcase the wine region and the food and all the agricultural stuff. I want to go there. That's one spot on tour where I'm like, dude, I would love to go there. I mean, of course, we want to go to Tahiti and Fiji, but I, I mean, no,
1: no, WA is I'd where you, you want go to live. W-A. You, you want yeah. to move there. Totally, that's where you want to live. It's it's incredible.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about them running a lot of the event at the box. There's a lot of um, comments I have about that. I think it's such, it's clearly such a spectacular wave. One thing that I loved about it was it was like a clinic in tube riding. Watching Ross Williams analyze this really fine nuance in the way that guys approach waves, take off, ride the barrel, barely not make it, then he breaks it down. It's a much more fine tuning analysis than a guy surfing away from the top of the point at snapper rocks to the inside where there's a million different details in that ride in terms of bottom turn, top turn air, whatever that he can't really break it down that fine tuned. This was just all you're doing is dropping in and getting barreled. And I felt like his analysis more than anybody's um, was like super insightful. Like as a surfer, who actually surfs a lot, not really a novice surfer any longer, kind of intermediate, that was tremendously valuable to me, hearing Ross's commentary.
1: Yeah, he he did a good job. And, and uh, you could tell that Kieran Perot was real hot and bothered to run it at the box, which I thought was great. You know, he it, The box was on his mind. You, oh, he, yeah. you could sense it. Yeah, That he was going to hold it at the box as much as he could, as long as he could, and he yeah. did. Um, the one thing that I took away from it was, I thought Barton Lynch did a really good job as sort of a guest that came into the studio and he needs to be involved more often. And I I wouldn't, I don't know if we talked about it in the last show, but I think Barton Lynch needs to be, um, you know, in there. Why? Because, because he, he brings great insight. Obviously he's been on tour forever. He's super intelligent. He strings together intelligent sentences and thoughts and and um, he's informative. You, you learn a lot from him. Look, like all of those guys, you're going to get sick of every one of them after a while. Yeah. But um, one of the things that, that sort of disappointed me was Barton Lynch brings out history. He's like, yeah, well, me and Martin Potter hated each other. You yeah. know. Now, here's a great opportunity for the WSL to immediately, like that's just a segue to the WSL and the Santa Monica studio creating something about the rivalry between Martin and And Barton Right And we didn't get that What we got was You know a few minutes later Martin going Yeah we had it out uh, Now on to the next wave Or whatever you know So there's this great moment To excavate this thing To give us some history About what it was like in 1989 Which none of us I mean I know about it But none of the real listeners And watchers really probably Have a clue Right And it was heavy and deep And there's great old footage And you could have got interviews And just done all this stuff That you know as a video producer We could have done Yeah We could have told a great story I'm hoping that that's what they're doing over there today in Santa Monica is creating some of this stuff for us in between waves in Rio or whatever it yeah. is. But I just sense that they dropped the ball. Anytime I hear one of those guys come in studio and go, yeah, we really had it out or you should have seen it in 1973 or whatever. Well, I need five minutes of break that down for me via, yeah. you know, storytelling via Santa Monica.
0: They did a little bit of it. They had a lot of that well, they archival that, footage that would yeah. lead into him being there at the desk. But that was the extent of what they had yeah i need, it's I need under, conflict yeah
1: it's yeah. Un, yeah, I need conflict. A great example is um coming up in Rio, um, there was a guy you might remember him i don 't know if you do or not his name was Pedersen Rosa, they called totally. him the mad dog, the animal. he was just this like hideous he had this hideous Brazilian style, but he was just like the most he was just a charger, he was like the Tasmanian devil, you know, in fact, I have some quotes here um, Derek Hind once said that. The tattooed and wild-haired Pedersen Rosa doesn't so much perform maneuvers as have collisions with the wave. And Shea Lopez put it this way: If the Cookie Monster could surf, he'd surf like Pedersen Rosa, which are both great characterizations of this guy. That's now, awesome. This guy had one tour event win, and it was in Rio in nineteen—I don't know, uh, ninety-eight or ninety-four or something. Yeah. So here's a great opportunity. We're in Rio. We've got this great Brazilian guy, pre-Brazilian storm, so to speak. Yeah. And, and and let's excavate Patterson rosa I mean, there was... I believe if I'm not... I, by the way, I was at the Quicksilver Pro in 2000 out at Tavarua. I saw Patterson rosa try to break his board over his leg like Bo Jackson did with a baseball bat. Really? <laughs> and he failed. And then he ended up just putting his board on the anchor when it's just like slamming wow. his board. After losing so, a heat? Yeah. So you've got this just this great fiery guy that would make for some fun you know, content, Absolutely, right? Yeah. I believe... If I'm not mistaken, I believe it was Patterson Rosa that couldn't come in from a heated pipe because Sean Briley was on the beach waiting for him to give him a smackdown. Really? And and they just like they paddled him up to you know like past a kind of gas chambers or whatever. Anyway, I think that was Patterson Rosa. If it wasn't him, it was another Brazilian that was in trouble with Sean Briley. But I want to say it was Patterson. I could be wrong. But so anyway, here's this great opportunity for the Santa Monica Studio to create something around Rio that would be fun that has conflict that would be insightful and hopefully they're doing that. And I, I sense that they missed that opportunity with Barton Lynch. And there's so many of these opportunities. Yeah. They really need to hire somebody like you or me again to, to go, Hey, do this. And then, then we'll send you off to go get the work. So, um, by the way, did they need Mark- an editor. They need a producer that yeah that can that remembers I mean, this stuff because I don't think anyone in there knows. They need a researcher. They need to tr- like Matt Warshaw to go. You know they need to reach out to Matt and go. What should we do at this next event? True. What's the great story there? It's you
0: know? true that I think there's a disconnect between some of the people that are doing the producing now that really aren't related to sc- surfing. You know, like they might have a background in yeah, producing just, and all that. They're just they're just they're labor. They're based, not they're not surfers. Right, based on. Like I've mentioned, some of the tweets they send out where they're incorrectly naming stuff and yeah. and historical references that are inaccurate. It's like there's a disconnect between the Barton Lynch who knows the information and the guys actually producing the content. And it's
1: not hard to hire somebody no. like um, like Matt or or Steve Hawk or Sam George would be a great you know just a, just a consultant to come in and sort of map out the stories that could be excavated for that year yeah. and then leave just to, right. you know, do a subcontract. So, by the way, has
0: Martin Potter had a beef with every other surfer of his, of his era? He was,
1: he, was, um, he was a mad he – was, he was an extremely, you know, salty competitor. Yeah, because you know? it's
0: like every time they reference somebody, Brad Gerlach, oh, yeah, they got in a fistfight in Japan. And then in this event, the Barton Lynch thing, also in this event, Tom Carroll. You know they did Tom. Well, Carroll. the Surfers
1: Journal did. Did you read the uh, Martin Potter expose or interview with him? Or? No. Was it recent? Yeah, I want to say it was last year or maybe the year before. But if you get a chance, check that out because it it really it's it's a really good piece, and um, I know it has Martin's blessing, and oh. it'll give you a lot of insight into who he is, what he yeah. was all about. You know where he started. You know he was. He was a scrappy 16-year-old kid that won the Gunston 500 and took down all the pros back right. when a young a young kid like a Jack Robinson could do that. You right. know, could just show up and win the trials and they didn't even know who he was. Sure.
0: Yeah, I I remember that image of him from when I was young, but I've actually spent time with him now like in recent years and those things aren't reconciled in my brain. No, no, he's a
1: gentleman. He's a completely great, he's a great guy. He's a very approachable, very kind, very, he's a good, he's a good human being. It's just that, you know, he's he's got a competitive nature. Yeah.
0: Which I have, like I said, though, those are almost two different people in my mind. The Martin Potter of my youth, that was this guy and the guy I've spent time with now. It's different. Yeah. Um, regarding the box, one of the things, and you talked about Kieran Perot, uh, Peter King just released his latest Tour Notes video showcasing Western Australia. And he John John Florence in that video says that he thinks Kieran does a great job as the commissioner. And obviously people are going to complain no matter what decision you make as the commissioner. But he said Kieran charges harder than 80% of the guys on tour. And in those mornings at the box before they ran the event, he's like, Kieran was getting the best waves and charging the hardest.
1: Yeah, that, that, the sense that I got from that whole event was that that Kieran's in control. Like mm-hmm. he's not. Like there's nobody pulling strings behind the scenes. You know, going, hey man, it, it'd right. be good for the broadcast if we ran it at Margaret's. You know, because you know that he got lobbied by guys like Freddie Patachi and probably some other goofy fits that are like, dude, come on, we ran one heat, one round here. Let's not run another round here. You know, and right? He's like, sorry, mate we're going. You know, well, it's on. <laughs> one of the things that C.J.
0: Hobgood said in that video and on Peter's Instagram, C.J. said. He called people out. He was calling people out. He said, why would you tell someone that you don't want to surf? We're in the entertainment business. If I tune in, I want to see someone getting scraped off the reef. It's feast or famine out there, baby. And that's what people want. Um, Who was he speaking to?
1: Uh, CJ. Yeah, because think, he said, why anon- would you tell anonymously, someone? Anonymously, he was speaking to those guys on tour that were obviously lobbying to move the event from the box to Margaret in, in Freddie Patagia's post-eat interview, Freddie said,
0: like, basically complains about having to surf the box. And the next thing I saw was CJ giving that interview. So I don't know that they were connected or not, but it felt like they were connected. I heard Gabriel Medina put up a big stink after he lost with a minimal score t- total. Yeah, yeah. And he's just like, dude, I want to go out and surf. I don't want to go out there and get pitched. Yeah. And so CJ's
1: going, dude, we're Good. in the
0: entertainment business,
1: yeah. you know? Yeah. Plus, you're the best. You know, maybe you're not the best surfer in the world if you can't surf the box backside. Exactly. Maybe you're not as well-rounded as we thought.
0: I agree with that wholeheartedly because the best rides we saw in the event were goofy footers at the box. Owen Wright's 10, uh, Ace Buckins 9, whatever it was, Nat Young's 9. Like, there was a higher frequency of good raves, waves by regular footers, but the best waves of the event were goofy footers. Yeah. So, what do you got to say to that, Gabriel Medina? <laughs>
1: Well, interesting. What's next?
0: Well, Kelly Slater got a 10, by the way. I was riding off Kelly kind of going into the Australian leg, and you've been singing his praises. However, yeah. he got a 10, and it was spectacular and revitalized some of my my in, my feelings that I've tried all to it, oppress. I, I think
1: all it takes is good waves. I mean, we had two crappy events prior to this, and it, it was just— He loses. He loses his mojo if the waves are shitty. I just think he's like, oh, dude, I've been doing this for twenty years. You're sending me out at two foot snapper. I know. I'm kind of over it. Whatever happens, happens. I'm going to ride a board. I'm going to come in early and pick up a. a, You know, I'm going to switch boards and heats. Well, when the waves are on, he's 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 you know he's yeah he's engaged. Well, that wave that he got that ten was
0: absolute brilliance and beautiful. However, in his next round. He, he was. He got botched. He broke a board, which the waves were big, and I think he was riding like a 6'3 or whatever, and he broke it. He went in to get his backup board, but he didn't have another properly sized board, so he had to ride a 5'10 for the rest of the heat. The wave of the day came to him, and he basically couldn't quite stroke into it, got pitched over the falls, and missed the best opportunity of the day because he was undergunned in his paddling. Which to me shows that he was underprepared. Which kind of indicates what I've talked about in the show, where he would never make simple mistakes like that in the past. Like he would always have his quiver dialed and he'd be ready to go. This shows he's a little underprepared and out of his headspace. Hmm. His backup boards a five ten when it's ten foot ma- uh, Margaret.
1: What yeah. say it? No, I I I think that maybe you're right. Maybe you're not. I don't know. Um,
0: We never would have seen that mistake from him three years ago.
1: He's got, he got pitched or he went over the falls three years ago.
0: But on un, being underprepared, not having a backup board, that's the appropriate oh, size. Right. But I guess maybe he, that's the board he wanted. I guess a couple days prior, though, he gave his uh, one of his backup boards to CJ, who didn't have a board for his heat. And CJ broke it. Hmm. So that might have been his backup board. But you think Kelly would have more than one backup. That's all I'm saying.
1: Well, I've got some news on the um, Titans of Mavericks rant that I went on a couple shows ago, and now it's turned into sort of the Titans of Mavericks Mavericks apology tour by oh, me. Has <laughs> <it>? Yeah. <laughs> So listeners may recall I, I was a little bit bummed out that Peter Mel didn't get an invite into the Titans of Mavericks, and I went on a rant about how lame that is. And then we realized that he's not even the defending champ, that Twiggy Baker's the defending champ, but he is a past champion, he is, so yeah. he should still be in it. So it turns out I surfed with Jeff Clark last week, and I asked him about it. I'm like, what's going on here? And he said, hey, look, their feeling is they cannot let the commissioner of the Big Wave World Tour surf against the same people that he basically is going to have power over. That there is the potential of conflict of interest. If something goes weird at this Titans of Mavericks event, there's a back paddle say, or somebody paddles Peter Mel too deep and he gets pitched and loses his board, or whatever happens, whatever you could conjure up in your, in your, um, you know, in your, mem- in your, uh,
0: yeah, imagination. Yes,
1: thank you. In your imagination, it, it could be construed that Peter Mel would then might somehow use his power as commissioner of the Big Wave World Tour to get back at that said surfer. Now you and I know Peter Mel's. He has. Uh, I think he's got a you know high level of integrity. I don't think it would ever happen. And I told Jeff that I go, dude. Peter Mel's not going to do that. You? you know, first of all, it would be obvious, right? And second of all, why? And his whole thing is, look, you just simply can't put Peter or these surfers in that position. That this is about him having power over these same surfers that he's competing against, and you simply can't do it. And 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 some level, I sort of understand that. I, I mean, understand it, and that. it's certainly a it's certainly a legitimate. Um, way to sort of frame why he's not in the event.
0: It is. uh, There should be a system of checks and balances. I think they should let Peter serve in the event and then have a system of checks and balances to make sure that he doesn't abuse his power moving forward.
1: Well, what's interesting, right, is that, as you recall, the WSL actually did put out, uh, Dave Proden put out a little blurb on this, and he said, hey, we would love for Peter to be in the event. It's unfortunate that he's not. Sort of like, if they would have let him, we would have been okay with it. Which... After reading this and talking to Jeff Clark about this conflict of interest, I would think that the WSL would be like, you know what? It is a conflict of interest, and it isn't good for the integrity of the WSL to have our commissioner surfing against our potential competitors. Right. And that that is a problem, and we're sorry, but no, you're either a competitor or you're the commissioner. You can't be both.
0: Hmm. Uh, You kind of buried the lead there. Where were you surfing with Jeff Clark. You have uh, a Maverick Car- session Car- with him? No, or at Cardiff.
1: <laughs> no, 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 Cardiff. He was he was doing stand up at Cardiff.
0: Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah,
1: wonder what he's doing down here. He comes down here a lot. He's down here. Um, I don't know. He's he's a big golfer.
0: Well, I interviewed Richard Schmidt last week for yeah. the podcast. Cool. That was last week's episode, and we talked about the Mavericks issue a little bit. Uh huh. And he was of the impression that that cartel management. Um, that we've heard negative things about, actually has the right people in power positions. He's like, they will, they are looking out for the best interest of Mavericks and um, they will make the best decisions for everyone possible.
1: Well, I I also asked Jeff about the the photographers that are a little bit bummed out, right? Right. And, you know, of course, there's two sides to every story, as it turns out. And, you know, Jeff said some things about the photographers that I'm not going to go into now because I don't – let's just say that he didn't put those photographers in the best light and yeah. that, that, you know, one of them is sort of Sue happy and, um, and, and they and they've done pretty well. Actually, he said, Hey, they've been killing it through all these events. You know, like they got new skis, they got new stuff. They, they sold their images to Quicksilver for lots of money. They've been doing pretty damn good. Sure. and, so anyway, two sides to every story. It was great meeting up with Jeff and wrapping and out with him about what was going on. Well, that's – that kind of – it reminded Andrew, me – I Let me interrupt and yeah. say, let me continue my apology because as I'm known to do, I sometimes just like vent out on the yeah. show without getting all sides of the story. And um,
0: Well, that's how I felt too. It kind of reminded me to think twice about who we – I don't know, disparage, you know, and it's not, we're not really actually disparaging, but it's so easy just to start like, uh assessing blame and be like oh that person's wrong clearly Peter Mel should be in it oh clearly he took advantage of the photographers but what i told well look
1: we look and again i I don't mean to interrupt but we look at it from a fans person from my whole thing starts from a fan i'm like i want to see peter mel in the thing i don't care about the bullshit behind the scenes peter mel should be in this event totally and i still feel that way as a fan yes peter i want to see peter mel right but the reasons He's for one the, of the decisions
0: best. being made are legitimate, they're, and they they're are. not just people mo- that are money grub.
1: Right? Money grubby, I, I thought that know? there was, and I know that I know. By the way, Jeff Clark didn't have a lot of good things to say about Paul Speaker, oh. the president of the WSL. There was certainly some um, some politics and some, uh, you know, some. An ugly situation there. I think, you know, WSL went in there and basically said, we're, we're taking Mavericks. And they, yeah. those guys said, no, you're not. And, yeah. you know, they like I said earlier, I'm sure they both lawyered up. And, yeah. and then well, one of them walked away with their tail between their legs.
0: Well, the, um, the one thing that I told Richard Schmidt on that episode was like, it, the last thing that we want as fans is for some outside entity you know, some management group whose name we don't know and who's never worked in the surf industry to come in and pilfer our, I don't know- um, Culture. All of our culture and all of our heart and soul just f- for profit, essentially, and then to disappear and get away with it. And so that's what we're always worried about well, here's protecting. A big, here's a bigger But question. he said that's really not what's going on in that situation.
1: Here's a deeper question, though. If a bigger- entity can come in and take away our culture, then we don't really have much to stand on. And our the culture that we think we have is really just a commodity that a corporation can come and take away. And in many ways, obviously competitions, you know, we sit here and we talk about competition a lot on the show do, because yeah. it's an, it's, it's sort of what drives the engine from an industry standpoint, but you and I both know that competitions, all of them could go away and we wouldn't be any less for it we'd probably be you could argue we'd be better off yeah you know like right now there's there's you know 150 pro surfers at lower trestles and 300 wannabes right and and it's ridiculous and that's right. because there's an event that starts today down there and um if there wasn't an event there, those guys wouldn't be there. And you totally. and I and the yeah. rest of San Clemente could be surfing there and not yeah. have you know 15 frothing, 21-year-old wannabe pro surfers hassling us.
0: Well, that's a good point. Talking about if they can pilfer our thing, then maybe we don't have a thing. Yeah. To that point, they can go do that at Mavericks. It doesn't take anything away from me going surfing in the morning at all. It doesn't add anything to it. So what they're pilfering really isn't our surfing experience. it I'll never surf Mavericks in my life. I don't even have an interest. But it's just kind of in the periphery. We still feel a need to protect the way these things are represented, I guess, you know, because it is a representation to us. And when I do go to family get-togethers that aren't along the coastline, they my family members identify me as a surfer. And they saw this thing happen on TV and they want to know how to connect those dots, you know. So there is kind of a protection thing. I've got a question for you, though. As this show grows, we're getting emails from people in China, all over the place, listening to it. I know people in the industry listen to it that are involved in these companies and magazines and stuff like that. Um, Some of the vitriol or disparaging remarks that we're spewing, just looking at these things from the outside – we're going to start getting back from them as well. Sure. And I'm sure we have already, like on Twitter and stuff.
1: I I am sorry. How do you feel about it? No, but how do you You feel? Does it hurt your feelings? How I feel about it is that I don't think the show should be a place where, um, I I don't want to, I don't, I'm not in this to upset people. I'm not in this to like, to, I'm not, I don't want my ego to get in the way of a good show. Right. You know what I mean? Like in the big picture, I'm sort of about everyone getting along, you know? Yeah. And so sometimes I will leave the show and go, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't have said that about that person. Like, why did I say that? Like, what's my motive for right. talking down to somebody or, you know, and, and do I even know them, you know? So a lot of times I'm, you know, but the thing is, it also makes for a good show. If there's like a little bit of BS going sure. on and a little bit of conflict. And yeah, it's, so it just feels
0: like we're kind of getting to the point where we're in a glass house throwing stones you know, and I and I'm fully aware of that. And I'm not I don't really have that thick of a skin. And when when I read negative things online, it does kind of sting a little bit.
1: Yeah. No. it Yeah. I'm, I'm not I, sure
0: how to handle it yet. It's no. like, do I want this thing to keep growing because we're only going to get more crap said? Yeah. And it's not I mean, the overwhelming consensus is we get positive feedback. So it's not really a big deal. But inevitably,
1: it doesn't take much. Someone's going to gonna tune go.
0: into one show, not listen to our body of work. They'll tune into one show for one minute where we're saying something disparaging <laughs> and then open up the keyboard and say something, you know? Yeah. So I'll tell you what, though. There's been a few topics that I've deleted from my notes that I wanted. I'll, I'll actually just come out and say to the in today's show. I had a topic that I was going to put on my kook um, that I pulled out. He's not really my kook anymore. And I'll just say it just to get it all out. But Conan Hayes, did you see this story? No. Conan Hayes was a pro surfer from like, yeah, yeah, early 2000s. Yeah. Goofy foot charger Hawaiian. I think he might, might've been from the big Island. Yeah. Yeah. Co-founded Ruka. Yeah. Cashed out with that, made a bunch of money, kind of disappeared, but he, it was in the Orange County register or something just the last couple of days That there a warrant is put out for his arrest for some fraudulent documents that he filed with Bank of America for some home in Costa Mesa that he owned, you know. Mm. So it's like that news story came out. and I'm like, oh, perfect kook. And then I was like, "Ah,
1: yeah, I don't know. That's not really
0: my like, I don't like it's not substantiated and it's not. Like I don't know that I want to sling mud about that. Yeah, that's you know a little I mean? bit TMZ ish. It's T M Z ish for kinda, sure.
1: It's kinda like the guy you know, if that is the case, he's got enough problems and that's kind of thing. It's like really we only wish the best for him. You know? And it's
0: not substantiated. Yeah, it's just
1: some O C register yeah. thing right. or whatever. But
0: I saw it on Beach Grip, by the way. Speaking <laughs> oh, of TMZ. <God>. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> uh
1: yeah. So there's things well, like that, I, th- I think it's more important that we Bring up ideas and just kind of leave them out there for the listening audience to kind of chew on and marinate with and come to their own conclusion, you know.
0: Well, that's the thing with the Duke and Cook concept, though, is like it's intentionally throwing mud at somebody in a sense, you know.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we should rethink how that how that segment works, too, you know, yeah. like, um yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. We'll Look, we'll think about it off of, the air. Speaking of Peter Mallon, big wave events. Right. Everyone knows that the um, the uh, Chile event, right, the Quicksilver Ceremonial in Punta de Lobos, Chile, has been called on for Thursday, which is in two days, April 30th, 2015 um gary linden says here he's the vice president of the big wave tour the swell that's coming in is predicted to be one of the biggest we've seen in a long time we'll look to get started around 10 a.m but we'll push it later if we can because the timing of the swell it's a little late it should show up bigger in the afternoon could make for a fantastic final so a one-day event on thursday and i'm sure it's broadcast right
0: yeah absolutely now here's
1: the deal i'm not convinced and i've said as much I'm not convinced that the WSL can capture these big wave events in a framework that's digestible for you and I as a fan. We've seen some events where you're just like, you know what, it's just not that good. And um, these events need special production. You and I have talked about this before. It requires some new camera angles. I've seen that GoPro has this new mount that allows you to do a live stream now from the camera. So that's brand new technology that that's GoPro insane. has. So you, we could put camera, helmet cams on all of these guys and watch these waves live. Wow, This just came out about three weeks ago. Wow. GoPro put out a big you know, press release about it. So that's one thing we could do. We could also obviously have more um, angles from the, the ski. Whatever it's going to take, one of the problems is a lot of times we're shooting down on these waves, which right. flattens them, makes them look smaller. They're just not interesting. And of course, there's these big lulls in these productions, you know? And so, um, I don't know what it is. Certain spots are just better for, for a big wave event from a production standpoint. Some spots are just not good, you know? And a lot of it has to do with the wave quality. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts on that, but there's room for much improvement. I'd love to be engaged and entertained, but I haven't been necessarily as much, uh, in the past. Yeah. Well, I'll just tell you, um, We've talked about this kind of a lot
0: on the show. And as much as we've talked about it and tried to kind of figure out what the best solution is, when I saw that the green light is on for that, I don't think I really even finished reading the headline. I just, like, saw, like, green light, big wave. I was like, oh, okay, it's cool. Scroll through. Yeah. And, in, and I knew that we were recording the show, and I still didn't even think to put it on my show notes. It was just like, okay, well, I'll wait and. See until somebody gets a 10 point ride, and I'll watch that one clip, I guess. Yeah. Like, I don't really have that much of an interest.
1: Yeah. Brown water, wetsuits, like, eh. If Kelly Slater was in the event, would you have more of an interest?
0: I absolutely would. Yeah. Or John John.
1: Yeah. Speaking
0: of which, you made reference to the Lowers event. Kelly is yeah. in the Lowers event. Right, right. So it's a it's a, uh, WQS 10,000 is what they're calling it. Yeah. The equivalent of a prime event last year, uh, which means top seeded guys. You know are likely to do it because there's a lot of points involved, but Kelly Slater signed up for the event I don't know is he in town though like he, did he
1: show up for I the think event? he is and, and I'm not sure but um look the thing that is is that if trestles gets one of those swells and this event has had really good waves before you don't want to miss it as a pro you're like wow you know six foot trestles mm-hmm. i I want I just want to be in the event to surf exactly you know yeah. and I think that's why a lot of these guys sign up for that because yeah. it's also in their backyard for many of them. The Chile event, by the way, has Damian Hobgood in it, which really? I noted. Damian Hobgood and Alex Gray. You know, you look at the Chile event and and you see some names like Makua Rothman and a lot of South American guys like Naxto Gonzalez, or Miguel Tudela, you know, guys that we don't know. But you see Mark Healy, you see Damian Hobgood, you see Alex Gray, uh, you see Anthony Tashnik. Right. Now, those are some guys that I could root for, for totally. sure. You know, there's a lot more North Americans – on this Big Wave World Tour than there are on the WCT. Well, that Miguel
0: Tudela, I only know, as a small wave ripper. So I'm surprised to see his name in there, which is kind of cool.
1: You know, interestingly, the Big Wave XXL, WSL Big Wave Awards are Friday night right. here in Anaheim. Right. So are these guys going to just fly home Friday? I actually sent Bill Sharp an email this morning, and he said that it's his understanding that the key surfers who want to do both are going to be able to make it back in time. So oh wow, should be an exciting week. So th- those double XL awards are this Friday in Anaheim at the Grove Theater.
0: So here's my question to you is with the Chile event, Big Wave World Tour event happening and the QS Oakley Lowers Pro happening, which are you more interested to watch as a fan?
1: Well, I know that the waves are going to be crappy at Lowers. Um, the forecast is crap. Yeah. The forecast is just kind of small wind swell and some small South swell. And so I'm not necessarily going to tune into that one. Well, which pick which one, one or the interests other. me, pick one or the other, the big wave one does really. And I'll tell you why, because I want to see what the swell is all about. Cause it's going to get up here Monday. So if we'll get a better understanding of what kind of surf sizes we're going to get yeah. as that swell starts to show up. And yeah. and if it's mega macking, which they say it is, um, yeah then uh, so I'm, I'm i'm sort of into it from a selfish standpoint like i just i'll just watch it for a little bit to see yeah. what the swells like and then see i would i'd pick the lowers pro what i'm going to sit and watch on my
0: computer i'd rather watch two to three foot, foot um lowers with all these qs guys whose names i haven't heard before ripping do you want to talk about the boardroom show
1: I guess the first thing we could talk about is this algae blank that's going to be at the boardroom show. Okay. Um, UCSD chemist uh, Stephen Mayfield, this project began several months ago, apparently, when some undergraduate biology students who are working with Stephen Mayfield, this doctor at UCSD, to produce some biofuels from algae, and they joined another group of undergraduate chem students. So you got biology students, chem students getting together solve a basic chemistry problem, and that's how to make a precursor of the polyurethane foam core of a surfboard from an algae oil. Um, Mayfield said that, like other surfers, he has long been faced with the contradiction. His connection to the pristine ocean environment requires a surfboard made from petroleum. But now he explains surfers can have a surfboard that, at least at its core, comes from a sustainable, renewable source. This shows that we can still enjoy the ocean, but do so in an environmentally sustainable way, Mayfield said. Most people don't realize that petroleum is algae oil. It's just fossilized, 300 million, 400 million years old and buried deep underground. So, you know, we're doing a Best in Show, which is the sustainable sustainable surfboard Best in Show. It's Entropy Resins and Marco Foam joining together to put on this uh, Best in Show, all based around, you know, how far can we push a sustainable surfboard and still get a board. That's a high performance shortboard that you and I would want to rip on. And, um, this new algae blank, sort of a big deal, especially in San Diego. They gave, there was a big proclamation that the mayor of San Diego gave to uh, Mayfield and his crew of chemists. And, um, and that's one of the neat things at the boardroom is this sweet this algae blank that's coming out.
0: Sweet. Yeah. What are the other exhibits that you're doing at the boardroom show?
1: Um, well, there's the Ultimate Craftsman Project, right, which is presented by Visla. So we've got four craftsmen that are going to be showing off these boards that they made from scratch, from from sourcing the materials all the way through to polishing the, the board. Um, Roger Hines, Gene Cooper, Travis Reynolds, Mark Andrini, those four guys will be there with their four boards. There will be 70 inch monitors there oh, looping. God, uh, each and every one of uh, these four guys, the build process. Mm-hmm. I finished uh, the Andrini one. It came out at 12 minutes.
0: So the finished boards, the boards are already finished. They'll be at the show on display. And then the video uh, documenting the build is on display with the boards so right. people can see it.
1: Right, right. And, um, of course, we're honoring Rusty. Our big, the big thing we do every year is the Icons of Foam Tribute to the Masters right. shaping competition, honoring a legendary shaper. This year we're honoring Rusty Preisendorfer. And uh, we've got six shapers, Chris Christensen, Dave Parmenter, Ward Coffey, Stu Kenson, uh, Tim Stamps, and Roger Hines, who's the defending champion. Those six guys will be going at it, um, replicating a classic uh, 1984 Aki-style board that Rusty made for Aki back in the day that Aki went on to uh, blaze a trail on the world tour as just a young, I want to say, 17-year-old. And um, so that board's going to be replicated. We have a craftswoman of surf shaping exhibition for women are going to be shaping. Um, And what is
0: that exhibition?
1: Just, just letting them shape, you know, do their thing, you know, show off that there's women that do this too. You know, they'll be given a couple hours. They can just go in there and do whatever they want. They'll be mic'd up. They can talk to the public while they're shaping and stuff.
0: Yeah. People like the, it's a trade show. For surfboards, basically. And the whole floor is all exhibitors, which are surfboard shapers whose names that you know. Among the most notable surfboard shapers in the industry are all there. But then there's these two shaping booths, fishbowl-style shaping booths. And um, so people can watch surfboards being shaped. And one of them is, like you're saying, this Icons of Foam thing, which is a competition. So that adds some drama to it. But the other booth is the women's uh, craftswomen, like, basically. Yeah it's not a competition
1: it's just like showcasing yeah and then and then shack the people here at shack are going to have a tom moray exhibit okay yeah so they're you know tom moray the guy who made the boogie board he's a a really um sort of outside the box um thinker and uh he'll he'll, he'll they'll have a really neat exhibition on him and uh randy rarick and sam george are going to be doing antique roadshow style appraisals of um your vintage surfboard. So if you've got a, an old classic board, bring it by to have it appraised or even other memorabilia, you might have some old magazine or
0: oh, I didn't realize. some,
1: you know, some trinket or some trophy or yeah. something that, that they'll be able to, to appraise. That's awesome. Yeah. And um, we've got, of course, a glassing demonstration by Revchem. They do, they'll be doing vacuum bagging. They'll be showing off some new materials, some new fiberglass cloths from some of their vendors um, fin Companies Finn Companies Hard Good Companies A lot of art There'll be some great artists there Cool um, Yeah Guitars That's right Luthiers Surfing Luthiers Pepe Romero Jr. Andy, uh, Andy Powers Cool uh, Ken Manazian Hank um, Johnson
0: And the Obviously the show's open to the public
1: It's at Del Mar Yeah May 16th and 17th Yeah May 16th and 17th At Del Mar The first The uh, first Two hundred attendees are um, put into an early bird drawing for a new surfboard. So, oh, really? So get there early. Yeah. yeah. Who's giving away the
0: surfboard? Is there brand associated <laughs> with it? Okay. Yeah, it's just you know. Yeah, um, I have a bunch of friends who have been emailing me saying that they're coming to the show. Oh, cool. So what are, you said tickets are like ten bucks. Ten or bucks. Something? Yeah, you can so, get them
1: online now, or you can get them at the yeah. the day of the show. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: Really cool. And we have a
1: demo morning, 15th Street. So you can ride the boards Sunday morning at 15th Street. Oh yeah. From seven to ten o'clock. Okay. Many of the exhibitors go down Sunday morning to Fifteenth Street and set up shop and you can ride some of the boards.
0: I did that last year. Rode some of Donald Brink's boards. So that was cool.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Um look okay, so we talked lowers, right? Yeah. Small waves, high flying Brazilians, Matt Banning, he'll be there. By the way, my fantasy team has Matt Banning on it. I think I have four Brazilians, Matt Banning. And this event just throws your team. You're talking about Rio. Rio, yes. Rio event, the CT event. It throws your team into a... It's- Unless it's your team, it's just you probably <laughs> haven't even changed any of your Brazilian Storm players. I
0: have, but but it's been an interesting year for Fantasy Surfer because Kelly Slater was like ranked 12th or something going into Margaret River, you know, which we've never seen before. So guys who used to be expensive are now cheap. Guys who used to be cheap like Felipe Toledo are now expensive. Um- well, what's
1: really like, so I have to change my whole team for Brazil. But the problem is, is then they go to the South Pacific. Yeah. And so that team is really the team that I probably had at Margaret's. Yeah. You know, like a solid team of, you know, like yeah. Owen Wright types. Yeah. And now they're all gone and I got all these lightweight aerial dudes. Yeah. You know. Totally. And you got to put back the team of solid surfers. Yeah. <laughs> for, for South Pacific. <laughs> Solid as
0: defined by surfing solid waves. Guys that can surf the box backside. So um <laughs> I've actually changed up my team every event, and I'll be changing it for Rio as well. But do you want to hear some more details about our Fantasy Surfer Clubhouse? Yeah, who's winning? We. No, I'm not. I know you're beating you're me, right? That's getting, what
1: this story is all about is that you're kicking my ass.
0: You're getting so smoked.
1: It's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's going to change. Like I told you in a tweet, I'm just lulling you to sleep. You're falling into my trap.
0: Yeah. Nice strategy. As by I the lose way. 10 bucks every time. Um, we have about 218 members total. Michael Hellfish won Margaret River for the men's division with 949 points, which is pretty substantial. But he did not wager. So he did not win. So he's a loser. He did not win the money pot.
1: You're a loser.
0: Somebody named Octopus won the wager with 885 points. That guy deserves to win because his name is so good. Well, I emailed him to pay him out. I think it was like 230 bucks. There's 23 people who wagered at 10 a apiece. You can go to surfsplendorpodcast.com slash fantasy-surfer if you want to see how you can be involved in the wager. But um, I emailed him to pay him, and he was like, He had no real strategy. He said, quote, I had no real strategy other than extensive consultation with my eight-year-old son. He picked the username, too.
1: (laughs) So the eight-year-old wanted Octopus. Okay, That says says a lot about how lame the rest of the guys are in this club.
0: (laughs) Who are taking it super serious, including us. Yes,
1: I Um, I would include me as being lame for sure.
0: And to finish the quote, although really, as long as I put John John on my team, he's happy. His son's happy. Unquote. That's a lot
1: for Hurley. And what we've already known is that John John moves board shorts and wetsuits and he moves Hurley product. So the top three,
0: uh, clubhouse members on the men's side are someone named jailer and then Michael Hellfish, who won the men's division in this event. And then boogie board for life who got dethroned off the first place position down to third place. But they're all within 16 points of one another. The top three guys. And then I noticed that what, we have like
1: two hundred and something. Two eighteen. And of the guys that are that are I noticed that like I'm like one fortieth or something, I think. Yeah. One oh five. One hundred five. There's not much there's like seven hundred points between me and first place, which is a whole event. <laughs> but but it would be cool if, if we did a thing where like I think in my other clubhouse we dropped two of the two of the scores, much like they do on tour. We drop the, your two lowest.
0: Yeah. Well then who's doing that math? I'm I don't got, know. I don't know. I've got I have, tons of math going I have on. a
1: real commissioner in my other clubhouse who does it.
0: Oh, I see how <laughs> yeah. it is. Yeah,
1: the, yeah, they have a calculator. Nice. Um, but there's only 10 of them. Yeah, are they managing 218 members? Yeah, but I how think? many are in our league are in the paying part of it? Well, this last event, there was like 23
0: for the men and 10 for the women. So not a ton. But um, I'm I'm sitting 48th with and or 2,237 points. Scott's sitting 105th, as we just mentioned. So
1: it's all going to change. the most important part of this whole conversation? <laughs> it's going to be hard to root for Brazilians. I'm not... The Rio event, I, that's one that I'm probably not going to tune into. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh, dude. I'll totally watch. I
0: don't even care how crappy the way. I mean, I are. sort of
1: have to because of the show and because I... Because yeah. I, I'm, I'm more interested in the production quality of the broadcast. but You don't have to tune into anything. I probably watch it all. I always do every, anyway. But.
0: Feel free to let your credibility wane with our listeners. <laughs> oh,
1: my God. <laughs> I'm fine do with I that.
0: have credibility? I don't even know if I have any. <laughs> I'm fine with it. Um, on the women's side, first place was JFL 1642. I actually got second place on the women's side of the draw. And thankfully, JFL 1642 did not wager. So I took the 100 bucks from the women's event for the second time in a row. Hmm. By the way, I publish all this stuff in the Clubhouse Forum so you could see the numbers, uh, just
1: FYI. What's going to happen to um, the North American fans such as myself, uh, life after Kelly Slater on tour? And I know we talked about this a lot. I did a little research. Um, you know, Coming up here in May and in June and in July, we have the NSSA Nationals and the WSA Nationals and I think the Surfing America Nationals. And so our best and brightest young surfers – are competing to be either on the national team or to get exposure and to become the, the next great thing. Do you know the, who is the last NSSA national champion to win the world title? Tom Curran. Kelly. True. Okay. So and that was like 1985. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 80,
0: 84, 86, something. Yeah. Well, yeah, I hear you. I hear the point you're making.
1: <laughs> Where are our national champions? Uh, you know, Kalohe seen... Andino is the last guy in 2009 to win the men's Open NSSA and National and be on tour. Nat Young the year before. Okay. So those are the guys that a guy like me can put my... I can I can be a fan for Kalohe and Nat sure. Young. And I am. Yeah. Um, I, I'm sort of warming to Kilohe. Um, Obviously, he surfs good. But a lot of being a fan and having a guy to root for is sort of what his whole mojo is not just his surfing. You yeah. Know? Like absolutely. the guy can be surf great and be, you know, just not be your cup of tea for whatever reason. Right. But I'm certainly warming to Chloe and Dino and, um, and I've always been a fan of Nat Young cause he's kind of got this blue collar working class Santa Cruz vibe about him and he, and he charges, you Yeah, know? he gets it done. Um, but I don't know who is our next hope. You know, I, I guess it's, Jake Marshall from Encinitas, who I surf with a lot and I surf with his dad and he, you know, the kid surfs hot, but well, I'm just concerned that our, you know, our North American surfers, are they, and we've mentioned this before, are they soft? Yeah. Like when are we going to get a scrapper, like a Joey Baran type? Joey Baran just came out of nowhere and just said, I'm winning, you know, like, and he, you know, he didn't have a, you know, necessarily a father figure, you know, it's, it's just, he had some fire in his belly. Yeah, he was just well, a guy that just went out and did it, you know, without any of this
0: crap. He just went over to Hawaii in one pipe. Here are the names to look for, and I know you're going to roll your eyes
1: at all of them. Don't say Kanoe, Kanoe, Igyashi, or whatever, because PT wrote him off already.
0: Here's the names that I know you're going to roll your eyes at uh, Griffin Colapento.
1: Yeah, I'm okay with him.
0: Kanoa Igarashi. I'm not okay with him based <laughs> on
1: what I've heard. i heard uh, he's soft.
0: Nick H. Des out don't know, of Santa don't, Cruz. Don't know
1: him, but if he's from Santa Cruz, they actually have some, like I say, some blue collar grit to them. They're not all like spoon-fed Land Rover kids. Good point.
0: I'll I'll send you his video. He put out a video like a week or two ago and he's shredding.
1: Yeah. Um, well, look, they all shred. I'm, I, this isn't about who shreds or not. This is about who's got it inside, internally, the so fire. What's That's your, what this What's is your about. beef with Kanoa? I heard he doesn't have the fire. I don't have a beef with him, but I'm not going to... I've heard that he's soft. I've heard that he's spoiled rotten. Hmm. Mm. That's, that's what, mm. that's what I heard from PT. Yeah. Well, i PT under the bus, huh? Um, no, I guess I'm, I did. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm friends with Kanoa. I've spent a lot oh, of time. Okay. So no, biased. it is totally biased. I've spent a lot of time with him since he was pretty young. Yeah. And, um, I don't really disagree with what you're saying. I guess what I'm waiting to see is if there's a way if talent can supersede the softness to a point, no, it can't. No. Okay, I don't think it can. Uh, well, it hasn't really proven to work so well I in don't the think past, it can. but I'm remaining hopeful. Yeah, um, one of Kanoa's good friends, by the way, is Jack Robinson because Robo used to be on Quicksilver, and so they were both like Aussie's Quicksilver Grom and California's Quicksilver Grom, and they'd do trips together and stuff. Robo's now on Billabong. Um, where are the
1: geiselmans where 's Geiselman and why isn 't he on the world tour he he 's a guy that was trumped as a guy that and what about how come all the Godowskies have just dropped off the world tour? like where are those guys? Well, those guys are still struggling to make it and they 're just not
0: going to um, The Geiselmans cannot make q s heats I mean Evan Geiselman he was documented in one of the red bull Red Bull series. And it's like he's not making it out of round one. Um, I will say Eric Geiselman surfs incredibly well, and they recently all surf got good. Pick, recently got picked up by Visla. So we're going to see more and more from him. Um, and he is As not a free surfer, right? exactly, because yeah. he's not competing in this quick uh, yeah. Oakley event at Lowers because he didn't have a seating to make it into the event. So you're right. There's a there's a glut of talent out there, and not enough fire spots on the tour. And the other thing is. I really don't have the numbers in front of me, but I read recently about the uh, WSL's QS series being cut that. back and back and back. I each. saw that this year it's like fewer events available, less money, less sponsorship dollars going into these events. So it's going to be harder and harder to qualify.
1: It's sort of you know we we were at this place about ten years ago, yeah. and and the industry had a big hooey like what are we we've got to change this you know yeah. like and. Um, it seems like we're kind of back at that place because the WSL is all about the CT, and they're putting so much energy into the CT, and they they may have you could argue perhaps that they're dropping the ball and feeding the right. system exactly. into the CT, and eventually we're gonna, you know what what happens in the big pushback ten years ago or whatever it was was that we've got the I don't need to see the same number twenty fifth guy in the world on the tour yeah.
0: Well, um, you're talking about Kelly Slater. Just kind of a side note. He was interviewed by Surfing Life after one of his heat wins in Margaret River. And he mentioned – they asked him some question like, hey, did you see um, Gabriel Medina's Gillette commercial where he's manscaping? Which you put as a must-see moment, I think, yeah. three or four shows ago. Yeah. Kelly Slater said, Yeah, I saw that. Gillette actually offered me that commercial. (laughs) And I turned him (laughs) down. No, thanks. I turned him down. And then they gave it to Gabby, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, Also, Gabriel Medina was on Times 100 Most Influential People of 2015, which I thought was a pretty bold claim. Yeah. Just a mover and shaker, you know, an innovator coming through for his country. Um, And I'll relate that to your question. You're talking about who do we have in America to root for? I know you and you I have two right now. Chloe and Nat Young. That's exactly. It. I know you and I differ on this topic. My stance is you don't care. About I North really Street. don't care. And I, what I care about is quality surfing and we're seeing really high quality surfing. I am not a fan of Adriana Souza, but what he did at Margaret river requires all other surfers to step up their game. You cannot win a heat by falling on your end turn And Adriano illustrated that. John John Florence is a better surfer. He's more exciting to watch. He's doing better opening turns. But if he doesn't slam the end section and stomp it, he's not going to win the heat. Adriano... Especially
1: there. There's certain waves where the end section doesn't really matter as much. Cloud break doesn't matter. Chopu doesn't matter. I would say even bells shouldn't matter.
0: It matters less there, for sure. But... But my point is just that, At Margaret. It matters. We all know John John's a better surfer. Adriano knows I have to tick these boxes and finish my end turn. I don't care if he's a better surfer than me. I got to finish my end turn. Bang! He wins the heat. Nobody wants to see it, but he did it. And so, what I like about that is it requires our favorite surfers to step up their yeah, game. I I would agree with that. And so, so that's kind of like I don't care who's coming out of the NSSA ranks. I. As much as I don't wanna love Brazil, even though you say that I do love them, I'm becoming a fan. I listened to Adriano's post heat interview after he won that final. It endeared me to him. He was super gracious. He even said John John's a more exciting surfer. He's one of the most exciting surfers in the world. And I'm so grateful to have this opportunity to represent my country. And he was super humble and I I didn't I want to like him and
1: it was awesome. I agree know? with you. I you know, in in my heart of hearts, I really appreciate their their sort of sporting quality, Absolutely. you know, that they have, and and I and I actually like I actually like Adriana too for the same reasons that totally. you just mentioned.
0: It's hard not to. He's
1: a sport. He's a sportsman.
0: Exactly. You know,
1: and I, I like sportsmen. Totally. You know, like I, I'm into the fact that this guy is power. He's almost handicapped by his style. Very true. And he's and he's winning, and he's killing it, and he's humble and doing it, and he's been. And you just know that he's behind the scenes. He's working. Like, absolutely. You know what? You don't, you don't get the sense that he's like, like you get the sense that he's waking up and he's going and he's working out Mm -hmm. and he's eating the right foods and he's, and he's sacrificing. Maybe he's not going to, you know, Coachella. And instead he's going to like, grind at crappy bells because he wants to be ready for the event in three weeks or, you know what I mean? Like you get the sense that he's got a working, he's got that blue collar thing going and that's endearing. You know, like we all like hardworking guys that overcome handicaps and, and do well. Yeah. The
0: stab magazine just released a video with Felipe Toledo as well yesterday. And it was the same thing. I watched it just kind of wanting to be critical and he did his interview in Portuguese and they translate it with text at the bottom, subtitles. It was super endearing, everything about it. And the kids were undeniably ripping. So you got to give it to him. But then when you hear him talk, it's like, man, these guys got their act together. The one guy out of that whole Brazilian storm who I still really am not a fan on is it's Gabriel Gabi. Medina. Yeah. And Gabriel Medina, um, his post-heat interview and in snapper was kind of the first indicator But then him complaining about having to surf the box is the second thing. And then Joel Parkinson and Mick Fanning both lost, I think, in round three at the box as well. Both of their post-heat interviews, they were gracious and humble and spoken like true champions. They're just like, hey, man, Jay Davies got the better of me. Bravo, that kid rips. We're so excited to have him in the water. You saw him hugging after the loss as opposed to Gabriel Medina whining about it. And while Gabriel's whining, Adriano's buckling down doing push-ups. Yeah, G- so. Gabby
1: takes the ball and goes home. You know, he's sort of, you know what I mean. He he's like, yeah. he's that, he's that sort of spoiled. He puts out that spoiled vibe. Yeah. So, interesting time for Brazil. But yeah, so for the record, I am an ADS fan, and and I'm a Felipe Felipe fan too. Because of what you mentioned, yeah, it's hard not to like people that are genuine and that are hardworking. And I agree. Have some sense of humility. And well, given
0: your Californian example, doesn't mean
1: I'm putting them on my fantasy team. Well, I can't root feel, for them. I'm just
0: <laughs> feel free to stay in 105th position then on our fantasy team.
1: No, I, I, my fantasy team has like I, I want to say I know I don't really. It's got some Brazilians on it. I'm yep. not sure which ones. They're all the same, right? They're just like high flying goofy. <laughs> Okay.
0: I'm going to stop right there. Um, by the way, given your California example with Chloe and Nat Young and kind of how you're rooting for Nat and Chloe slowly get, you know, winning your favor. I think the difference with those guys is everybody, the media, the surf media told us we should love Chloe before we really started to see Chloe. He was force fed to us. So we were resistant Nat Young. Kind of came out of left field and earned our respect just through
1: backside snaps, and so and his rookie year on tour, he was rookie of the year. Exactly. Didn't he come on tour the yeah. same year as Chloe?
0: No, he came on same year maybe as John, John and Gabriel.
1: Yeah, he was rookie of the year. I mean, his rookie was year rookie was incredible. Year sure. Yeah.
0: So you know, it's like that. That's the difference in how those things are fed to us as fans and who we end up rooting for. I think that was the genesis of those things.
1: You know, my nickname, my fantasy surfer team name is Floatergate based yeah. on the classic situation down at uh, Rio when a floater beat a couple like six off the lips. Owen Wright did a big snap and an air
0: reverse. Adriano did a big backside float. Owen got a 6-5. Adriano got an 8-9 or something.
1: All right. I, I I hate Adriano again. The floater <laughs> heard round the world. Floatergate. Um, That's all I got. Yeah, no. Duke and Cook must-see moment. Well, I told you my Duke is the the lady who um grabbed her son from the Baltimore riots and slapped him around and screamed him down and he went running off with his tail between his legs. That's my Duke Hanamoku.
0: <laughs> my Duke Hanomoku is Jake Patterson. You know why? No. At the Margaret River event the swell was gonna be the looming kind of ominous swell was gonna be giant and he thought people were gonna be undergunned he pulled his quiver out of the garage of big wave boards and left them in the contest site for any of the competitors to use. And I think some of the girls did actually. Um, there was one board that he won sunset on that he eventually took back out of the, the judges or out of the competitors area,
1: but he brought a quiver of surfboards for the guys to ride. You know, that reminds me his brother, Paul Patterson. I was on the, the Ant-Man. I was on the South shore and we were um, canoe surfing out at, um, uh, castles. Okay. And my wife and I and Paul Patterson and Sam George and Todd Bradley, and we're canoe surfing and, or no, they're canoe surfing, but I'm not, I'm paddling out to go surfing and they wipe out and the canoe flips. And my wife's sort of floating and it's big. It's like eight foot. Okay. Like real, really good, big castles. Okay. And, um, and she's just sort of in it floating in the, and she's comfortable. She's like sitting there treading water, you know, and the boats over here and there's five people over here and they're going, hey, are you OK? They're screaming to my wife and I paddle past her and I'm like, hey, is everything cool? And she's like, yeah, I'm cool. They're just telling me they're going to pick me up in a minute. I'm like, OK. So I just paddle past her and go surfing. Well, Paul Patterson comes to my wife's rescue. He's like the, you know, the classic Aussie lifeguard, like swoops her up and carries her in and, and yeah i haven't been able to live that down to this made step. you look like a chump yeah made me look like the selfish surfer that i am my wife's like yeah my husband just paddled past me and went surfing while i was <laughs> so drowning you under the bus <laughs> oh yeah it's a pretty classic <laughs> awesome. story.
0: so that's my duke my kook goes to john john and kind of also Kaloe. For growing these scraggly little uh, beards, this is, is this TMZ? This is TMZ, dude. <laughs> You're John, John John, John the Beard. John John flaunts his little beard that doesn't even fill in all the way. It's a goatee, but doesn't grow in the center. So he's got these two horns coming down <laughs> off of his chin, and they're super scraggly and patchy and gross. Yeah. Number one, I don't think anybody with blonde hair should grow a beard. Period. Because right. you just look like a weirdo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but but he's got these blonde. Little scraggles hanging down, and it's like chin scraggles. Oh my God, like, please shave that thing. And Kaloe started doing it like six months ago. I think he has since shaved his. But John, 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 cook, John's
1: got some goat scraggles. That's kook of doing. the
0: week, dude. For the improper goat, not a fan. Okay, goat scraggles. Um, and then you can watch the latest tour notes episode if you want to see that. Uh, I'll put it on SurfSplendorPodcast dot com. Scott will put it on the line And then my must see moment. Gary Linden's wipeout at Puerto Escondido. Yeah, what the heck?
1: Yeah, that's gnarly. That guy's gnarly, man.
0: Gary Linden, sixty-five years old, paddling in at full size Puerto, gets pitched off like a twenty-five footer straight to the bottom. Crazy.
1: By the way, Gary's going to have a board in Best of Show, an entirely board uh, built entirely out of, I should say, agave. Yeah. So the 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 board shaped out of agave. The fiberglass cloth could it be agave? No, I don't know what the fiberglass cloth is. He might just be putting a sealant on it that's yeah. made out of an agave resin, like the entire thing's agave. There's nothing but agave in this board. It's going to be pretty cool. Is it a gun? I think it's a little fish,
0: oh okay, yeah, I've seen a few of those at his shop he was, I had him on the podcast episode sixty five
1: His whole thing is though it's completely agave, like some of the past yeah. ones he used like a poly resin sure. or something
0: yeah. Well, that that must see moment. It's um, Surfline did a great. They do this Greatest Wipeout series where they interview the guys, show the footage multiple times, slowed down, all that sort of thing. So that's my must see moment with Gary Linden.
1: I saw. I've been watching some great stuff. I got to start writing them down so I don't forget them. But
0: yeah, um, God, that I had another thought about Puerto when we were talking about Gary Linden. And I can't think of it now. It escapes me. But whatever. puerto's going
1: to be huge in a couple of days. Yeah. Probably Saturday.
0: Yeah. So. Big,
1: big swell at Puerto. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, that's all we got for you this episode of uh, Down the Line Surf Talk and Surf Splendor Surfing News. You can reach David by emailing him, hello at surfsplendorpodcast.com. You can reach Scott by emailing me at uh, Diego at Gmail com surf talk San Diego at gmail.com and my Twitter is at boardroom surf my Instagram at boardroom show and you're at surf Splendor. that's it
0: follow the con- or participate in the conversation
1: participate in the conversation and tell your friends about our podcast uh, we'd appreciate it until next time adios and aloha And we've got some breaking news. After we've signed off, we've got some breaking news. There was a power struggle between the WSL and Vans regarding the U.S. Open of Surfing. They have apparently worked it out. We just got an email. The Vans' U.S. Open of Surfing is confirmed on the WSL schedule. So that must mean that IMG caved in, that the people at IMG caved.
0: Mm, That's what that means?
1: Huntington Beach is home to a tremendous heritage and history in professional surfing, and we're Thrilled that IMG and Vans are partnering with us and sustaining that in the long term. The Vans US Open of Surfing is a fantastic forum. Blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, well, looks pretty, like pretty IMG and Vans and Paul Speaker, their lawyers worked it out. I'm sure they still don't like each other.
0: And we did not discuss that in this show, but it was on my notes, is that they, um, the WSL had it on their schedule tentatively as the US Pro. It
1: was going to so be an they Oceanside. They were going to do an event opposite the u.s open and weren't going to allow the wsl surfers to be exactly. in. exactly
0: they were not sanctioning it so if wsl surfers tried to surf in the u.s open they would have been faced with fines or could even get kicked off tour so um apparently they've come to an agreement but you heard it here first actually by the time this is uploaded you probably already read it online but figured we should close out the show with that important news all right scott all right Signing
1: off for the Signing second off time. off again. Adios and aloha. Until next time. i and,
0: and I can't keep it to myself. What good is it to sing helplessness blue? Why should I wait for anyone? Everything that we discussed in today's episode is available on SurfSplendorPodcast.com. All the videos, all the imagery, all the links to articles, all that stuff. So come check that out. Uh, OakleyLowersPro.com is where you can watch that QS event that's taking place this week. Forecast isn't great, as we discussed, but Slater's in it, but bon Felipe Toledo's going to shred. He'll probably win that thing, so... Definitely, you could be entertained by that throughout this work week. All right, enjoy. And follow us on social media, at Surf Splendor on Instagram and Twitter. And then, of course, Facebook.com slash Splendor. And then lastly, we always just remind people to rate and review the show in iTunes or whatever app that you listen in. We have a lot of um, reviews now, and I think it's really done well to keep this snowball rolling. Um, recent review came in from China And uh, it's just really great to see all the feedback. It's great to hear positivity, of course. That's like a nice little pat on the back. But um, it's great just to see this thing grow. And we've had nothing but good response when we reach out for interviews. People have heard of the show at this point. And and so that's really all that it it comes down to is we want to secure better interviews. And the farther reach we have, uh, the more people we can attract to be on this show. So we'll produce the content. You do your part by sharing the show with friends. All right? Thank you very much. We will be back next week with that Malcolm Campbell interview, then the following week with Scott Bass, and hopefully we'll see you at the boardroom show shortly thereafter. All right? Thanks. This is David Scales for Surf Splendor signing off, reminding you to shred on.